Let's open our Bibles. Let's go to Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. My title is, put it at the top of your page, clean sheet. Don't add this with any notes you got. Put at the top of your page, my one thing. What did I say? My one thing. My one thing. I believe that every, play, every person in this room should have an obsession should have an obsession, something you're obsessed about, something you're obsessed with, something that you're focused on. And we're drawing from this scripture of forward, we're drawing this particular service from Philippians 3 and 12. We're going to read it together so that we have understanding of what we're talking about and we are together, all right, on it. Ready? Philippians 3, 12. It's on the screen. Let's read it together. Not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you that our hearts are open to what the preacher doesn't say. We thank you that your presence is here. Speak to us all individually right where we are. Give us something we can use when we leave. Before we get to the parking lot, there will be something we can put in place to use. We just ask you and we say to you, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning of this, all of us have to remember from the beginning, from the beginning of of this particular sermon, we all have to remember and account as a fact that we were all created. What did I say? Every individual in this room was created. You're not an afterthought. You did not evolve from a single cell amoeba up to a monkey, and now here you are. You were created. You, You didn't just happen here. You were created. Secondly, you were created for a reason. You weren't just created, you weren't just thought of, you weren't just, you weren't just here, but you were created, you were created for a reason. That reason is called a purpose, for a purpose. You are here for a purpose. You are here for assignment. You're here to get involved in whatever God is doing. And now, fourthly, no one can do your purpose but you. No one can do what you're called to do. No one can do what you're gifted to do. No one can do what you're assigned to do. And what you're assigned to do should become your one thing. Your one thing. It is a magnificent obsession. It is a big obsession that you need to put your focus on. Your focus is not on, and I'm going to show you this in just a bit, your focus is not necessarily on leaving something. Your focus is on going somewhere. Right? There is a difference. So I'm going to give you, at the end of this, I'm just going to give you just a few points you can use practically in your life, all right? So let me just go through this scripture. He says, first of all, not that I have already attained. Not that I've already attained. I am not, I am, it's not that I'm already perfected. I'm not perfect. So this is what we need to learn. I'm not there yet, and I know it. I know I'm not there. I'm, I'm not even acting like I'm there. I'm not going to perpetrate a fraud that makes people think I'm there, right? I don't have it in my hands yet. I haven't obtained it. I don't have it in my hands. I don't possess it yet. And I know I'm not complete. I know there are some mis- missing pieces, some missing parts. I know there's some stuff that I need to get done. I know that already. But here's the point I want you to make and write this one down. Write this one down. I don't have to be perfect to move forward right? I don't have to be perfect to move forward, but I will never be perfect if I stay here. I don't have to be perfect to move forward. I don't need to obtain it to go after it. I don't need the, I don't, I mean, if, if I don't, I don't need necessarily to have the, the gold medal around my neck to go for it. I don't need the trophy on my shelf to go for it. I don't need the belt around my weight waste to go for it. 
I don't need the degree on the wall to go for it. You get what I'm saying? I haven't obtained it, but there's nothing wrong with me going for it and winning everything I need to win to get there. So I don't have to be perfect to move forward. As a matter of fact, if I'm not perfect, that is my reason for moving forward. Making sense? Y'all all right? So that's number one. He says, not that I've already, I'm not, I haven't already obtained, I'm not already perfected, perfected, but I'm moving forward. Okay? Number two, he says, but I press on. I'm not perfect. I haven't obtained it, but I press on. Pressing on in this scripture means to endeavor to move towards something. I press on. I'm not just running. That's, that's the reason. That's the reason. Um, in, high school when I, when, in, in high school when I ran track was different from college track. It was different in a lot of ways. One of the best ways it was different is that in college they had real nice, cush, you know, plush little tracks to run on. It was beautiful. You had wonderful equipment. And the most important thing I used to obsess with when I ran college track is that the lines were clear and straight. That may not make sense to you. But in college, it was, it was like I knew where my lines were. I knew where the starting box was. In, in high school, in some of our practices, we didn't have starting blocks. But in college, everybody had a starting block. Everybody had a starting line. Everybody knew which race they were running. Your lane was clear. Your lane was very clear. I love that. I love that. I love that. That way down, way down the track, you can tell when you're running the 220. You can, 220 back in the day, and it tells you how old I am. You can tell running the 220 where your first turn is. And you can see your first turn at your first 25 steps. So you can always plan where your turn is. If you're not fast, you got to know where the turn is. The lanes were so clear. Even at night, you could tell where you were going. Paul says here, I press on towards something. I'm not just pressing on for the sake of pressing on. I know exactly where I'm going. I'm now endeavoring to move towards something. And number two, I take, I'm taking control of my will. My will. What I do, how I do it, how long I do it, I'm taking control over my own will. I'm not giving my will to someone else or to a circumstance or to my past. I'm harnessing my will, and I am deciding for myself I'm moving forward. Even if everything around me or nothing around me wants to move forward, feels like moving forward, or feels like I should move forward, I'm deciding I'm moving. It's a decision that I make, right? And now write this one down. This is number two, practical so you can use it. You ready? Here's something that you need to know. Write it down. My future is not in my past. That's simple and kind of elementary. But you have to understand this. Before you feel comfortable moving on, you have to understand that there is no future behind you. That everything behind you represents what God did in your life, how he may have rescued you, how he may have delivered you. But it has nothing to do with your future except it's your past. And your future is not back there. Ask yourself, why am I so in love with what happened? Well, I'm not in love with it, Pastor. I'm not in love with it. Yes, you are. You know when you're in love, you talk about it all the time. When you're in love with a person, you think about it, you talk about it, it's on your mind, all your songs, your playlists, everything. Your posts, your posts on Instagram and Facebook, it's all about what you love. And the universe, God thinks you love your past. Can I prove it to you? He thinks you love your past because this is all the stuff you talk about. Lord, I'm so glad to be done with that. And he thinks when you say you're glad to be done with that, you're talking about more of what you want. I'm so tired of the people who hurt me. Why are you talking about that? Every time you talk about it, you're giving it air, giving it space, giving it nutrients, giving it power. You're in love with your past. It's the first thing you think about when you go to bed and the first thing you think about when you wake up. You're in love with it. Kiss it goodbye. Mwah. So your future is not in your past. The next thing he says, 
He says that, that I may, why? I am pressing on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. It's one of the best verses, parts of a verse in the scripture. Paul says, I know what I'm going towards, and I'm going towards that for which he laid hold of me. Some things to remember. Not the main point, but some things to remember. I have to remember now that I didn't, get, I didn't really get saved because I wanted to get saved. Maybe you did. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't come to God because I was looking for him. Maybe you were. I was. <laughs> I got saved because he came after me. I came to the Lord because he finally convinced me, you can run, but you cannot hide from the call I have on your life. You can deny it. You can refuse it. But Martin, I will wear you out because I live forever. I surrendered my life to God because I finally realized he had a purpose for my life. In other words, there's a God that's chasing you. Okay, I, I know you were looking for Jesus. You were looking for Jesus, right? Here's my question, because some of you are still looking at me. I got saved because I needed to get saved. I was looking for Jesus. Okay, okay, the question isn't rather, the question isn't maybe, were you looking for Jesus or not? My question is, what made you start looking for Jesus? Jesus. Uh-uh, pastor. I was in an accident and I didn't die. Jesus. I was in a relationship that almost killed me and I had an epiphany. Jesus. I was sick and something miraculous happened in my life and I was spared. Jesus. It, it was Jesus that put you in a situation that your eyes opened and you realized who he was. He, anybody else would say he apprehended me. He came after me. He saved me. He grabbed hold of me and gave my life purpose. So now this is what happens. Once Jesus grabs hold of you, you have got to understand this. God doesn't grab hold of you to hold you. Did you get what I said? God doesn't just, just grab hold of you so he can hold you till you go to heaven. God does not apprehend you just so that you can be apprehended. He doesn't save you for you just to be saved. He doesn't forgive you of your sins so that the rest of your Christian life you can talk about your sin. That's, 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 that's uh, unwise. He apprehends you, Paul says, because there's something he wants you to apprehend. He grabs hold of you because there's something he wants you to grab hold of. He calls you because he has a calling for you. He saves you because there's something he wants you to save. He delivers you because there's something he wants you to deliver. He gives you life because there's something out there he wants you to give life to. He blesses you because there's something out there he wants you to. He heals you because there are people that you can heal. He counsels you because there's people that you can He makes you rich so that there are people out there that you can make. Say it loud. Nothing wrong with being rich. He came after me, Paul said, so that I could go after something. So Christ came looking for me because I was born for purpose that he put inside me. He pursued me. Write this one down. This is, the, this is your third tip here. It says, pursue 
pursuing purpose pleases him. Pursuing purpose pleases him. Okay, come here, Lamont. I'll use you. Okay. So, you stay over there by that monitor. Okay. So, Lamont, and what I'll do, I'll play God. I like playing God. So, Lamont... Lamont is not necessarily a bad person, but he's not saved. He's not, he's not awake to the reality of who Christ is. He's in the club dancing. Don't dance. He's, uh, he's just simply unaware. His wife can dance. He can't. Uh, he's just unaware. He's unaware that he was born because God asked for him. He's unaware that he was created by God. Supreme intelligence that doesn't just build people, but builds something into people. He's unaware. And all of a sudden, someone comes to him and tells him that God's been after him his whole life. He's like, right, ain't no God been after me. There's no real God out there. And lo and behold, something tragic an open door opens up for Lamont. And in his tragedy, he falls on his knees and cries out to God. He gives his life to God. He realizes in that second that God has been after him for a long time. Now he's in the hand of God. He and God are joined together now. But God's not just going to stay over here with Lamont Till he goes to heaven. God didn't grab hold of Lamont to hold him. He grabbed hold of him and said, now walk with me. There's something in you I put in you and I've come to get my gold. I've come to get my calling. I've come to get my power. So walk with me. Over there is what God wants him to apprehend. It's not about God apprehending you. It's about what does he want you to apprehend. So now God walks with Lamont. And because he's never known God, he doesn't understand that sometimes God will take you through tragedy. That when you start walking from God with God, you don't know you're leaving some people behind. When you start walking with God in the world, you call your friends people who will do whatever you want. But in the kingdom, God will give you people who don't really care about you. They care about what's inside you. So some of the people you mad at, if you look back for a minute, they were the ones that challenged you enough to get where you at right now. They're the ones that said, you need to straighten up. You can't get away with that. The Bible says this, are you living right? Well, I don't like them. You should like them. Just look back. They're in your process of apprehending. God says, just keep walking with me. Keep walking with me. And eventually, you get to the place, and God says, you're there. Grab that. I said, grab it. Now, you can walk. You have apprehended purpose for which God gave you to apprehend. But God never leaves you while you're apprehending it. God never leaves you while you're going after purpose. He stays with you while you're going after it. And he stays with you after you get it. Now, this is what you do with this. This is how you use this. This can go from one level. Do you understand? You can go from a, you can go from a Sears and Roebuck microphone. Sears and Roebuck? You can go from an Amazon microphone, $15, $15, to a Sure Mic, you know, $500, to a Sennheiser, a $2,000 a $2, microphone. Or you can get a microphone like Beyonce got, a $15,000 microphone with the colored in her colors, and she can hear herself whisper. Every time she burps, she has to put the mic over here. It's a whole nother thing. So even... So even when you get to your level, there are levels inside your purpose. 
There is bigger stuff you can do. And I'm going to tell you something right now. When you get ready to go to another level, you will know. You will know by what detaches from you. You will know by who's uncomfortable with you. You will know by how people treat you. You will know by who stops listening to you. You will know when you're done with one level because you're detached from it. And you don't ignore those signs. Now take your purpose and go on over there. I'm going to call you to finish my sermon in about 10 minutes. He's like, that ain't my calling, pastor. So, so, now, so now watch this now. I can feel it in my bones right now. I can, feel it in, I can feel it in my bones right now that there's something I must apprehend. And when I pursue it, I'm pleasing God. Number four, he says, brethren, seems like he's repeating himself. But he says, brethren, I, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I don't have it. I'm not there. I'm not standing, I'm not standing on the podium in first place. I haven't won the thing yet. I haven't obtained it. I haven't obtained the spiritual depth I want. I haven't obtained the wealth I want. I haven't obtained the purpose I want. I have not fulfilled my vision. I know it. I'm not trying to fool nobody. I'm not even trying to fool myself. I know I haven't apprehended. In other words, he says, I've not become what I'm purposed to be. I know I haven't become that. But, write this down, write this down, I do not have to have it to have it. I, I do not have to, I, do, I, I don't have to have that woman in my life to be married. <laughs> I don't have to have a baby in my womb to be pregnant. I don't have to have a degree to act like I got a degree. I don't have to act like I have a business to have a business. I don't, I don't, have, to, I, I don't have to have a happy marriage to act like I got one. I don't have to have it to have it. I can simply believe that I have it. I don't have my degree yet. I don't have my doctorate. I, I got my law degree, but I haven't passed the bar. I don't have it yet, but I can believe I have it. I can set my mind on it that I have it. I can believe in my spirit that it's already done. Write it down. Write it down. Asterix. Asterix. It's not in his notes. It just came up. Asterix. Asterix. Stop the press. I can what? I can believe it's already done. I can pursue the race like it's already done. Muhammad Ali is one of my favorite. I know some people got a problem with that. Some people got a problem with me and Muhammad Ali being one of my favorite. I love the guy. I love the way he boxed. I love the way he thought. He said, I went out there and I talked to them. I was the greatest before I knew I was the greatest. <laughs> I was the greatest before I knew I was the greatest. So when I went out there and talked to people, I told them I was going to be great. I would tell them what round I was going to knock them out in. I would tell them how he was going to fall. I would tell them, it was just crazy. Then they said, what would you do after that? He said, then I would go pursue getting ready to do that. He said, I wasn't ready to knock nobody out in the, in the first round. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to knock Sonny out in the first round. I had to go to the pool and get under the water and punch. I had to do some things that were unorthodox. He says, I pursued what I knew I wanted in knocking him out. I pursued it, but I talked about it. I believed it. I said it. I dressed like it. I talked like it. My attitude was like it. My strength was like it. Everything about me was that thing. I became the thing before I became the thing. I told my wife, I said, we're a millionaire. We weren't. We weren't millionaires. We had an appointment to file bankruptcy. 
And I said, we're millionaires. She said, okay. My daddy gave, but she said, my daddy gave me to you. So how are you going to make this happen? I said, I don't know. But I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to tithe. We're going to give our offering. Then we're going to tip. We're going to tip 15%. Now, that doesn't sound like much to you. But I started tipping like I was rich. Tell your neighbor, it's all right to become it before you are it. You want to be a doctor? Go ahead and buy you a cheap scripper scrap. Y'all don't know that movie. <laughs> buy you a cheap thesoscope. Put it around your neck. Walk around in the house. Take the pulse of the refrigerator, the washer and dryer, the vacuum cleaner. Go to your children and say, let me see how your hearts beat. You see, people think that's crazy. You think that's dumb. It's not dumb. Get in your jalopy and whatever your favorite car is, print off the label and stick it right there on the steering wheel. You are saying this is a 72 pacer. I say it's a 2020 Bentley. This is what this is. I'm driving it like it's a Bentley. You got a bad or you got a bad relationship with your wife or husband, go ahead and make you something. Write it on duct tape while they're asleep. I love my husband. Just put it on his forehead while he sleeps. <laughs> Y'all think I'm kidding. My wife put notes under my pillow. I got a good husband. I got a rich husband. I would put my hand under the pillow while I was asleep and find a note. I said, girl, leave me alone. She said, I can't have another one. Use all I got. I'm going to work on you. <laughs> if this will help you, you want to lose a few pounds, print it off, get a, get a permanent marker. You don't need no tattoo artist. They're expensive, and you can't get rid of it. Get a permanent marker. Write it on your stomach. I'm skinny. Write it backwards so when you look in the mirror, all you see is skinny. Y'all think I'm playing. Am I playing? We do this weird stuff at home. We walk in a million-dollar house, and we say, put it on the thing. This house is paid for in seven years. Is it paid for? No. We got a note. We got a mort gauge. We have a death grip. But instead of seven years, it was paid in five. You don't have to have it to have it. You can just believe that you have it. You know how much believing costs? You, how much does believing cost? Believing costs you no money, it costs you no time, but it costs you the most expensive thing you have, your thoughts. Your thoughts are the most expensive thing you got. Stop giving your thoughts to people you know don't like you. Why are you thinking about it? It's, it's too expensive. It's too expensive for you to think that a professor is just out to make you fail. It's too expensive. Just think about passing. <laughs> it's, it's, it costs you too much. Where you, you're responsible for your thoughts. You're responsible for what you see. Somebody's like now, what do you say? What do you say use? I say, okay, I know you. You just ask your neighbor. I won't look at you. What did he say write it with? I said a permanent marker. Permanent marker, write skinny. If you don't know how to write it, have somebody else write it so that when you look in the mirror, you see. If people are bullying you and calling you ugly, write B-E-A-U-T-F-O-L. And every time you see it, you know, there's a certain way you can write it backwards on your mirror. And when you line up with it, it looks like it's on you. 
I'm wasting time with you, aren't I? So for those of you who are listening to me, I'm saying reduce it to the ridiculous. Whatever God has for you, reduce it to the ridiculous. If you're dreaming in red and it's all positive, wear red all week. Let them laugh. You are focusing on what God is leading you to. God is not just holding you. God is leading you to something that's bigger than what you could ever imagine. Okay. Okay. So watch this now. He said, but one thing I do. Next phrase. He says, my, but my one thing. My one thing. Say it. My one thing. My one thing. I have one thing I'm going to do. One thing. I have one thing I'm called to. One thing is my purpose. And it's not just standing here doing what I'm doing. This helps me do my purpose. My purpose is a whole lot bigger than this. That's why when others think or you think that God takes something from you and something is not working in your life anymore, it ain't working no more. And people say, ooh, uh, he, he done lost his magic. No, I never lose my magic. It just means that thing I was doing, the magic ain't there no more. But it's somewhere else. Write it down. You never lose your magic. It just changes on you. What, 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 what was the boxer's name? Everybody say, ain't no way he can be a heavyweight champion at 65. Well, he won 65. Not Larry Holmes. What's his name? Uh, George Foreman, who has five sons named George. <laughs> it's, it's amazing when, for most people, it's over. And you can think it's over. But George Foreman will fight another fight, win or lose between two million and eight million. It's just money to him. He's too big for you to hurt. But once that is no more magical for him, guess what he gonna do? He gonna turn to this what's magical. What I do now, I make hamburgers. I can fry your burger, I can your chicken, because see, I'm magic. That's not magic. This church ain't magic for me. I'm magic. Okay, 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 all right, all right. Don't you, get the, don't you get this messed up? Don't you get it messed up that the person sitting next to you, what they're doing now is all they can do? Don't you get this messed up that just because that thing ain't working in her life no more, that she can't do nothing else? Don't you, don't, don't, don't you forget that he was doing something else before he got that job, and now he might be able to do something bigger than that job and the one you fired him from? Sometimes the best thing they can do for you is fire you. You say, I ain't writing that one down, Pastor. You can forget that one. There's something better than wages. Uh-oh. I'm not going to tell you what it is. That's for another sermon. You know what's better than wages? <laughs> Dividends. Family financial series this year. What's better than wages? Dividends. <laughs> Because dividends come to you from stuff you've invested. Wages come to you because you've traded your time for money. Go after dividends. Because one day your dividends set you free from wages. You go from a wage owner to a wage payer. That's all you're going to get. 
I'm going to show you how to do that in March. Yeah, baby. It's getting ready to be hot around here. I'm telling you right now. Okay, so where was I? Five. Number five, write this down. I need, I need, he said this one thing I do. I need a worthy obsession. Write it down. I need a worthy obsession. Not a stupid one. <laughs> not, we're, we're not stupid. Unworthy. Okay. I need a worthy obsession. I need one thing I do. I need one thing I focus on. I need one set of books in my library. I need one set of friends. Well, you need a lot of different type of friends. I quit. I quit. And I helped myself get rid of some friends I didn't need. Y'all didn't want me to say that. I need one thing. It's my library. It's the food I eat. It's the relationships I have. It's in the house I live in, the car I drive, where I work out, and what I do for a living. I need one thing. And I can do five things, six things, seven things inside that one thing. But it's one thing I do. I'm obsessed with it. It's all I think about. It's all I plan for. Honey, where are we going on vacation? It's got to be a place I can do this. Where are we eating for lunch? It's got to be a place that supports this. What kind of books do we read? It's got to be something that involves this. If it doesn't involve that, not really interested. You need to be obsessed. In some people's minds, you're going to be crazy. Got real quiet. That means I need to stay right here for a minute. It needs to be what you think about, what you talk about, and you're not going to let anything else move into that space. Don't what? Okay. If you, if you believe if you believe God has called you to deal with stuff that is possessed with another spirit by God, other than God, whether it's the demon-possessed or businesses that are falling apart because there's a wrong spirit there, a sports team that is, whatever, no matter what, but you, you deal with the spirit of the matter. Watch me now. If, if that's what you're called to, you don't watch The Exorcist. You don't watch a movie where the devil wins at the end. You don't read any books where the devil wins at the end. If you call to be a billionaire, you never watch Sanford and Son. No, 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 no. No, you can't. You can't watch that. The beginning of the show, they in Watts. At the end of the show. And now you put it on your DVR. So when you're not at home, you can record the show. Ask your neighbor, why is you doing that? I'm sorry, why are you doing that? Why, why are you doing that? Why are you feeding that? If I'm going to own a billion-dollar car dealership, I'm going to wash my pacer now. <laughs> it's going to be as clean as I can make it. I never do anything outside of what I'm apprehending. Everything. Amen? Amen. If I want children with her, she is all I'm looking at. What am I going to look at somebody else for? I can't have no kids with them. Okay, y'all. This is too much for y'all up in here on a Sunday morning. It's, it's all I'm focused on. And when I get off focus, I get refocused. 
Y'all here with me? Somebody say, move forward, move forward, move forward. Okay, now, number six. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and forget, forget, uh, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward. So write down the word forgetting. The word forgetting simply means decide not to remember some things. But it also has another side of the coin. It says decide what to forget and decide what to remember. It says the word forget, but in the, in the Greek, in the Hebrew, the, 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 the words are just a bit more prolific. So, so he said, Paul says here, forget the bad stuff. Leave it behind you. It's no longer productive. But you better remember how God brought you out. Forget the negative. Forget the stuff that brought you to this place of desperation. But remember that God loves you. God saved you for a purpose. Don't ever get to the place where you forget the grace of God. Remember his grace. Okay, let me, let me just ask if there's somebody in here who's not embarrassed to say it. Mm-hmm. How many people are in here and you know, you know, you were in places you should not have been? Throw your hand up to the ceiling. You know, put your hand down. Watch this now. You know there were places you were with people you shouldn't have been with. Put your hand down. See, some people saved in here. They're like, uh-uh, Pastor. I've always... Put your hand up if you know you were not on the bad place with bad people. You know you were doing something you weren't supposed to be doing. How many of you know that? Put your hand down. How many of you, when you were in the wrong place with the wrong people doing the wrong thing, God came and talked to you there? See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? People say stupid stuff, and when they be preaching, I be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they hold that note, yeah, I hold it with them. But when they get to this part, I can't stay with them. When they say, God doesn't come to dirty places, God doesn't deal with dirty people, and God doesn't deal with dirty situations, I was in them all. And while I was there, God came to where I was and spoke to me. Anybody in here, in your loneliest days, in your wretched days, in the days where you didn't even know about God, you were so in the dark, so underneath it all, and you still felt love. You felt a tug. You heard a voice. You got an angel that visited you. You got a word from God. He knows exactly what he's doing. So, so, so write this down. Write this down. Woo. I leave it behind by focusing forward. So someone will walk up to me and say, leave your past behind. You can't. You can't leave your past without focusing on your future. I'm encouraging you, don't leave your past. Just move forward. Watch this. I know I didn't plan for this. No, no, I, I'm going to need it. I, I, I'm going to need it. Thank you. Now watch this. This is all the stuff I don't want to remember no more. I don't want to remember it. God was good to me there. I want to thank God for doing whatever he did there. I want to move on. But when I start thinking about it, when I start, I'm pursuing, but I start thinking about it. There's some stuff people I got soul ties with. Well, at least when I was sinning, I had some money. Y'all didn't say that. I did. Shoot, following you, God, this don't make no sense to me. I had money. I was enjoying myself. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing nothing weird, but, you know, I wasn't serving you like this. Now, I ain't got, I don't have any money. I can't sleep. I'm having all these issues in my life. I didn't know I was just being detoxed. 
but you start talking about this stuff. So now, you don't know it, but you look like to us, like you was in the bathroom. And uh, you are, uh, you saying to us, girl, I'm moving forward in God. I'm going on with Jesus. Lord have mercy. I'm forgetting those things that was behind me. Now, he shouldn't have left me now. She shouldn't have treated me that way. And that guy that fired me from that job, God's going to deal with him. Bless the name of Jesus. God knows how to put somebody up and put somebody down. You got toilet paper running from your backside. You have not left anything. You are dragging it with you. When you see them in the mall, there's hatred. I had a good car. I had a great car until I got saved and they fired me. Look at me now. Taking an Uber and taxi to work. More expensive than a car. You are bringing your past with you while you think you're pursuing where you're supposed to go. You want some more? <laughs> let me let them on this side see my backside. That's, that's what it looked like. I'm moving on. And you in church. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. I got a new life. I'm in a new season. You've been in the same season for 30 years. You have not left anything behind. If all I'm doing, because I don't do it, I don't do it, I don't do it. And people get mad at me because I don't do it. But I don't do it because I don't want to do it. If you want to do it, you do it. Y'all wonder what I'm talking about. I don't help nobody deal with their sin. I don't. Come to Jesus. Give him your heart and your life and he will show you how to live right. Well, I need you to talk with me to help me deal with my sin. No, because talking about your sin reminds me of mine. And I don't want to be reminded of that crap. He saved me from it. Why am I going to sit down and talk to you about it? So you can go talk to somebody else about it. Well, you know what you got to do? This is what you got to do for that sin in your life. You want me to do it with you? You want me to pray with you about this sin? I mean, what does the Bible say about sin? There ain't no sin scriptures written in red. Why are you bringing something with you God don't even care about? To Jesus in red, Jesus in Matthew 5 says stuff like this. If you know to do it and you don't do it, that's sin to you. <laughs> so now here I am, dragging around my past, talking about I'm moving on with the Lord. You ain't moving on with the Lord. You are happy with this. Now to the rest of us, after about two minutes talking to you, About two minutes. It don't take long to be talking to a brother who loves God, a kingdom citizen, and now he want to talk about the government shutdown. I'm like, I, uh, what, what, what government shutdown? Which, which government shutdown? Which, which government? You talking about my government is shut down? My government is shut down? You mean heaven is closed? I mean, what, what, what are we talking about? I ain't your boy. I ain't trying to get nothing from no earthly government. I'm not trying to depend on no president. Never. I don't care what color he is, where he come from. Don't matter to me. I am a kingdom citizen. You can take that and you can do whatever you want with it. Well, I work for the federal government. I do too. I work for the federal government. 
keep my jacket. <laughs> my wife bought me that jacket and put my jacket back on. Did she look at me yet? Like, what you doing with my jacket I gave you? You write it down, I leave it behind me, and I focused forward. I don't drag it with me. And when I catch myself dragging it with me, I purposely say, I'm leaving you. I'm not doing that. Divorce it. Write the divorce decree. Mail it to it. Make sure there's a return to sender. So you get an acknowledgement, you got it, I'm done. Finished. I'm moving forward. Watch this now. Then he says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That literally means running in God's speed. What happens when you're a flojo and you're not used to having anyone in front of you? Okay. Okay. Y'all don't remember flojo. What happens if you're in that top elite financial group in our country and you're just not used to having anyone in front of you? Who are you competing against? If you're Ben Carson and you can take twins that are together and their brains are one, but you're the one guy in the whole world that knows how to separate them and make them whole as individuals, what motivates you when you're number one? What encourages you when you reach your goal and you're not dead? What sparks your interest if you have to find your competition inside yourself? Most humans don't know how to do that. They need you to be their problem so that they have something to work toward. What happens when you get to your goal? You won't have anybody to blame. You won't have anybody that you're running after. In this verse, Paul says, run as though you're number one, but compete against your, what you're trying to apprehend. Your competition is not people. Your competition is what God called you to do. Your competition is your purpose. Your motivation is your purpose. And once that purpose is in your sight, he says, run after it with all you got. With everything you have, pursue it. So ahead of you is destiny. Ahead of you is power. Ahead of you is dominion. So this is the thing you can write down. Christ, Christ never lets go of me while I move forward. Christ never lets go of me while I move forward. Y'all good? You good? Christ never lets go of me while I move forward. Jesus doesn't say, yep, I want you to start that business. Yep, I want you to go to school. Yep, I want you to get married. Yep, I want you to, go, I want you to do all this stuff. And then once you start to do it, he says, well, bye-bye. <laughs> no, he goes with you. Last point I want you to get, when he says in verse 14, I press toward the, he says, goal, prize, upward call. Three things. I press toward the goal, the prize, the upward call. Simply this. The goal is the finish line. It's completeness. I press toward, I have to graduate from high school. Well, no one in your family graduated from high school. No one in your family got a college degree. I have to get a college degree. I've got to make this happen. It's a goal. That goal is a diploma. That goal is a business. That goal is a belt. It's a trophy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a medal around your neck that you have accomplished. He said, I press toward that goal. Then he said, I press toward the prize. The prize is simply what I get. Whether it's a trophy, whether it's something, the goal was the finish line. But now I get a trophy. The goal was to get married, but now my trophy is a happy marriage. You get what I'm saying? My goal was to start the business, but I started the business, and now my trophy is that it's successful. 
<laughs> and then he says, what is the upward call? And people get this mixed up. I do, when I'm studying, I like to hear from God for what I'm going to tell you. So I spend hours. But I always, after I study, I find out what other people are saying. Just to check my theology. I call my pastor and I'll say, you know, this is what I'm thinking, but I'm having a hard time finding scripture for it. Am I on the right basis? Can I find two or three witnesses? And it became very difficult for me to prove this last point to you. Because when people say this, they say this upward call. Everyone is telling people that the upward call is God calling you to heaven. It's God saying eventually what your real goal, your real goal is coming to live with me forever. So I just simply looked up the real Greek word. <laughs> and it simply means this. And you can write it down. I, I want to I, I say it the way it's written. My calling, my calling is not to heaven. It is from heaven. Make sense? My calling is not now I'm saved, now I'm called to heaven. I'm called to go home and be with the Lord. I'm called to live in his presence forever. That's not the calling. The calling is from heaven. It is a call from God to you on earth. It is a call where he is saying, I'm calling you now to my calling in your life on earth. I'm not saving you to hold you or bring you to heaven. I'm saving you so that I can empower you to work here on earth. So the calling on your life is not to heaven. It's from heaven. It's God, okay, because you're like, okay, now. You're going to have to give me some scripture on that one, brother. God says to Paul, Jesus says to Paul, Paul says to Jesus, who knocked him off his horse, Lord, Lord, who are you? I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. What would you have me do? Bottom line, go see Ananias, go spend some time in his house. After you're in his house, I'm going to anoint you. And you're going to do a mighty work. You're going to stand before me, before kings on the earth. Peter, what is your calling? Peter's calling was to work on earth as an apostle. Isaiah, when he got a word from God, was told to speak his word to the people on the planet. There's not one person you can find in the Bible that when God called them, they immediately came to heaven. Every person God called, every person God rescued, every person God saved, every person God delivered in the scripture, he anointed them to work on the earth. And you are anointed to work on the earth. Not heaven. Last scripture, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, we'll just read four. Y'all ready for this? I want to make sure, I want to make sure, I want to make sure everyone's awake for this one. Wake your neighbor up. Now, if you don't know them, don't touch them now because we don't want to break no fights up in here. What you touching me for? I haven't had a nap all week. <laughs> I came to church to get a nap. <laughs> it happens. Sometimes the church is the most peaceful place, and people go to sleep, so I try not to bother them, but you got to wake up now. <laughs> Watch this. Study this one. We'll just read it. Read it out loud. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, come on, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive by grace. This is what I just told you. You didn't get saved because you was looking for God. The grace of God came looking for you. Let's keep reading. And raised us up together and made us sit together in, in, right. Why? That in, this is it, this is it. This is why you got saved. 
that in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace in his kindness. He called you. He saved you because one day through Jesus, he was going to show the world how big he was. Every answer to every disease is sitting in a pew or a chair in a church someplace. The next great movie is sitting in a pew or in a chair in a church someplace. Because God wants to show his greatness through his people. Let's keep reading. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a not of works, lest Nobody can boast about getting saved. Watch this. For we are his created in for which. Listen, folks. You don't have to create any good works for yourself. I got to make it happen, pastor. Sit down somewhere. You can't make anything happen. All you need to do is cooperate with what he prepared. Say it's already done.